So we are wrapping up our conversation, the conversation I've entitled News Not Advice. Um, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know that what we've been talking about is how oftentimes the church is seen uh, as, as, as a dispenser of advice, that we have good advice, and if people would follow this advice, they would have happier and healthier lives. And there, there is too much truth in that. And honestly, there is some good advice that the church can give people. But that picture of the church is a wrong picture of the church. That's not what the church is. That's not the way the church has historically seen itself. If we go back to the early church, we read the letters that compose the New Testament. We listen to the words of Jesus and the words of the early saints in the book of Acts of the Apostles. We see what the church was about was not about giving people advice. What the church was doing was sharing good news with people. And so we've been looking at it from the point of view of how can we access that good news? How can we peel back all the good advice and just hear fresh the good news about Jesus Christ? So that's where we've been over the last couple of weeks. And um, what we've been guided by in our in our uh, in our process is this passage that uh, Paul wrote. Uh, the Apostle Paul, one of the early church leaders, he wrote uh, many letters to the church. And in First uh, Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians, he wrote this. He said, I handed on to you as of first importance what I had in turn received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And the way we unpacked this, Paul wrote this about 25 years after the time that Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead. So it's a fairly fresh memory, but Paul's saying, I wasn't there. I have talked to people who were there. I've talked to witnesses, and this is what they told me, and this is what I've told you. I've told you the exact same thing I heard. What, what was that? He said that, um, that Christ died and was raised in accordance with the scriptures. He says that this has all been part of this big thing that God is doing. There's a big picture that we need to be aware of, that God has an agenda. And it's not a hidden agenda. It's revealed in our scriptures that God has made creation good and that it was spoiled. And and everything in all creation has been tainted by this spoiling, and it's called sin. And he said that God is not content with that. God does not just say, oh, well, you know, better luck next time. God says, I am going to do something about this. I'm going to restore creation to my purpose, which is perfection. And he says more than that, he says God has committed something to us. God has made a covenant to us that he will see us through that because we know we're part of that. We live in a fallen world, but we are tainted by it too. We're not perfect. We're not who we want to be. And God has made a covenant that we will not just be swept away with the garbage. God has made a covenant to see us through. So Paul says that what has happened is in accordance with the scriptures. But then he goes on. He says, Christ has. Christ has done something. And what he means by that is that in the, in that covenant, God had promised through people like the, uh, the prophet Isaiah, God had promised that he would send a king who would be the instrument of making things right again. And what Paul said is that what previous generations heard as prophecy, I can tell you has now happened. Christ has done something. This king that God had promised, the the coming anointed Messiah, the king who would set things right, he has come. And last week we heard what he did. He died. 
And what we saw last week is, in some ways, that's what you would expect a king to do. A king dies on behalf of his people. But Paul said more than that. Paul died, Paul passed on the good news that this king died for our sins. That by some mysterious process, and we looked at some of the, some of the pictures the church has, has found in scripture to help explain this. But by some mysterious means, that when Christ died, he defeated the power of sin. That, that sin's power was broken on the cross. And because of that, there is still sin in the world, but is no longer guaranteed to win every battle. That we can push back against sin. And we are not guaranteed to lose. Because we used to be weak, and sin was powerful. But now, sin is weak. But we've saved the best part for last. The best part for last is what Paul concludes his summary with, he says that on the third day he was raised and that he appeared to Cephas in the twelve. The best part is not just that sin's power was broken, but that Christ was raised. And if you've been around church, if you've ever been in a church during Easter time, you've heard this story before, but you've probably heard it wrong. Because too often, the way the church has presented this story is they've said, Christ was raised and that means that there is such a thing as life after death. And that means you can live after you die too. When you die, you can go to heaven. But that's not the good news. That's the tiniest fraction of the good news. That's kind of a footnote over in the corner to the good news. And unfortunately, too often the church has presented it as if that was the good news. But that's not the good news. The good news is not that you get to go to heaven when you die. The good news is that heaven comes to you. The good news is that heaven doesn't come when you die. The good news is that heaven comes right now. That's the good news. We see it in our reading today from Paul's second letter. Paul wrote, we don't know how many letters to the, to the church in Corinth. Paul went around the, the Mediterranean rim and he planted churches here and there and he kept in touch with them with letters. He wrote at least these two letters to the church in Corinth and he refers in one of them to a third letter. We don't know what happened to it, but these two letters were special. The church looked at them and they said, look, I've got great respect for Paul. Uh, Paul is someone I admire a lot. He's a very smart guy, but he's not this smart. They said something was going on when Paul wrote this letter. He was breathing the words of God onto the page. And so the church in Corinth, they held on to these letters and they began to circulate them, made copies and passed them around to other churches. And the other churches said, oh, really, here, here's one from Peter. And over time, all these letters that were perceived by the early church to be particularly inspired by God were collected together and made into the New Testament. And so we're looking at the second of two letters that Paul wrote that were actually viewed by the church as being inspired. And in this letter, Paul says, He says, the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all so that we may go to heaven when we die. No, that's not why Christ came. The good news is not that we get to go to heaven when we die. He says, the good news is he died for all so that those who live, people who are alive right now, may live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. What does he mean by that? What does it mean to live for him who died and was raised for you? 
He says, I'll explain, but you have to be careful. You might miss it. He says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. Paul says, look, I can tell you, the first I ever heard about Jesus, he was a rabbi who came to the big city, got in trouble with the authorities, and they crucified him. That was the human point of view. That's the way I perceived Christ. But I found out he was raised from the dead, and that changed the way I looked at Christ. And he said, I no longer look at him in that way. I realize now he was not simply a rabbi who was crucified. I no longer look at him in a human point of view. And he says, you have to be careful. If you use your human point of view, you will miss what God is doing. So he said, be careful. Don't look at what God is doing with a human point of view. And he goes on. He says, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Now, some of you, if you've been around church for a while, you may have heard this differently. You might have heard it said, um, see, if anyone is in Christ, so if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And uh, the translations, more modern translations, have backed away from that. I think that's what it means, but they've been a little reluctant to rush to that because it's kind of an interpretation. What Paul literally says in the Scripture is he says, if anyone in Christ, new creation. Paul omits the verbs. And I think that one of the reasons, uh, my guess, my guess is the reason he omits the verbs is the same reason you see so many bumper stickers without verbs, right? It simply says, Bob Smith for president, or Joe Jones for mayor, right? It doesn't say, vote for him for mayor. They, they, they condense down a longer message to something short. And I think Paul is condensing down a longer message to something short, something they would have heard before. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. But he condenses it down in the in the the actual words he uses are if anyone in Christ, new creation. So Paul's saying this almost like it's a it's a slogan we have all learned. And he says, remember that. Remember, if someone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Paul says, we might miss it. We might use our human eyes. We need to look. We need to see the way that everything has become new. 600, 700 years before this time, the prophet Isaiah, God had spoken through him and said, I'm doing something new, but be careful. You might miss it. But when Isaiah wrote about it, he said, behold, it's springing forth. Paul's saying, it has happened. He's saying, be careful. Look very closely to see what has happened. The good news is that everything has become new. So often what the church has done with people is that the church has said to people, you should become what you are not. You should act like what you're supposed to be. But what Paul says is to shake off, to no longer consider the former things. Paul says, shake off what was, and let what God says you are emerge. There's this image here, a picture of of the reality that God has brought into being as as like the rubble of the sin-filled world 
is on top of us. And we're hidden under it. We're new creatures. But it's hidden. And Paul says, shake that off. No longer consider the former things. I am doing a new thing. Paul says, don't use your human eyes because you'll miss what God has done. And too often the church has said, change into something you aren't. But the good news is that we can be what God tells us we are. I think a lot of the times we we don't hear that. We hear the the rubble. We hear the wreckage. We hear the ruin that we're a part of. We hear the stories. We look at the news. We see the violence and the chaos. Or maybe we listen to tapes in our own head. The things people have said about us. The things that said, well, you know what? Our parents weren't even trying to have another baby. You're an accident. The stories that tell us, you know what? The nut doesn't fall very far from the tree, does it? The stories that say, you know what? Your father left. You're just going to do the same thing. The stories that tell us your mother was an alcoholic. I'm not surprised. Too often we believe the propaganda of the old world. We believe we are what we were. And the good news is that if we shake that off, we don't have to become something we aren't. We can simply let the reality that God has made us into emerge. I think a lot of Christians have experienced this a little. We, we have some moment of clarity. We have some moment of conviction and we realize that God has made us new because there's this thing that used to be a thorn in our flesh, this thing that used to be a besetting sin. And it is something that we no longer struggle with in the same way. And we say, God has fixed that part of me. God has made me new in that area. And then we stop. We're like an earthquake survivor who has who has shaken off one flake of rubble and is content to lay there thinking that that's all there is to it. We're like Dorothy when when her her house comes down and lands in Oz and it's all black and white or sepia tone. And she opens up the door and she sees Munchkinland outside in Technicolor. We're like if Dorothy had stayed in her house. But the picture that's painted here is that we are invited into that new reality. God invites us to go further, to go through the door, to emerge into the land of Oz, to become that technicolor creature that we didn't realize that God has made us into. You know, this is a risk for churches too. People come to church, they experience something different from what they have in their life outside the church, and they say, this is great. I want it to always be like this. But the prophet says, do not consider the former things. I am doing something new. So let me invite you, as you think about what it means to be a new creature in your life, to keep crawling up out of the rubble, to expose the new you that God has promised that he has made you into. What would it be like if this whole church did that? What is the new reality 
that God is calling this church into? What does it look like to be part of new creation as a congregation? I don't know, but I'm looking forward to finding out. And my prayer for you is that as members of this congregation and as individuals, you will continue to shake off what was so that what you are will become apparent. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ, not good advice, not telling us what we could be if only, but instead telling us what you have already made us and inviting us to leave behind all the old, to shake off the rubble, the ruin, the wreckage of the sin-filled world that we were part of and to emerge into your new creation. We pray, Lord, you would help us to see ways we can do that every day. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.